This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. There's been a lot of build-up to the COP26 climate conference in Glasgow. It's currently underway and the world leaders part of it is now wrapped up. So at nearly the halfway mark, we'll update you on Australia's policy. We'll step through what other nations' agendas are and look at the two new pledges to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Okay, Claire, we did a shortcut about six weeks ago on what was on the climate change agenda leading into the COP26 conference. At that time, Australia hadn't settled its policy. A lot's happened since then. Yeah, it sure has. And the Morrison government has committed to a target of net zero emissions by 2050. That's something that it was under pressure to do from advocates here in Australia, as well as those on the world stage. And they included UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who, of course, is the host of this COP26 conference, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as US President Joe Biden. And what it required was a fair bit of negotiation with the nationals to secure it. It sure did. There was a fairly dramatic week in politics where the nationals were meeting to consider a proposal put to them by their senior coalition partner, the Liberals. What do we know about the deal beyond the formal commitment to a target of reaching that net zero emissions by 2050? So there's a bit that's still unknown given negotiations were conducted behind closed doors and pundits say that there could be some surprising wins for the Nationals in the next budget. So watch this space. But what has been revealed is the short-term target for emissions reductions by 2030 remains unchanged. Australia's formal 2030 target is 26 to 28% reduction on 2005 levels. But Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister, says that we're on track to get a reduction in the order of 30 to 35%. That just won't be made into a formal commitment at this COP26 conference. We've said the word commitment a lot. We'll say it a lot throughout this podcast. What makes a commitment formal or not? Yeah, well, in this world, a formal commitment are those that are a nationally determined contribution or an NDC, as it's referred to in the COP lingo. Uh, They are promises nations make and agree to report back on and have to be held accountable for. The other things are just aspirations that they can't really be held to. Gotcha. It's official our formal commitment to that net zero by 2050. Now to how to actually do it. There are a few ways governments can reduce emissions to reach those targets we're talking about. The United Nations says that its priorities include putting a price on carbon dioxide emissions and phasing out of coal, and neither the Coalition nor the Labor Party are up for those. Uh, So the Coalition's decision to rely on emerging technologies to reduce emissions is something that's attracted criticism here at home as well as internationally. And we haven't heard yet what Labor's plan is to reduce emissions, but they say they'll come forward with that before the next election. 
emerging technologies. It's one of those words, one of those phrases that's around this conversation. Help us out here. What are we talking about? So we're talking about things like carbon capture and storage and the use of green hydrogen. A lot of the government's projections also relies on technology that hasn't been created yet. And it's a plan that has its supporters, but there's also many critics who say that dealing with things like our use of coal for power generation is critical for Australia reducing its emissions and there's no plan for that. So that's where Australia's at as it stands. Let's get into now how things have played out at COP26 so far. Despite what we might see through the coverage here at home, COP26, Claire, is not just about Australia. There's plenty going on when it comes to other nations and their positions on taking action to keep global warming to that 1.5 degrees Celsius. One of the early surprises came from India. So its Prime Minister Narendra Modi was a late confirmation to attend that conference and just a day before his presentation to the conference, the buzz was that he would maintain the line of not committing to net zero emissions by 2050. He didn't do that, uh, but he did commit to net zero by 2070. Some say that's progress, even though it's 20 years later than other nations. Yeah, and that's because it means they're coming to the party in some way uh, is a big thing. But you're right, others say that it's not quick enough. For example, both the UK and the US accuse India of failing to grasp the urgency of climate change. It's an accusation that's also been thrown at China and Russia, two other big, big emitters and no-shows at the summit. Yeah, that's right. Joe Biden on his way out of Glasgow, he had a real go at China and Russia for not participating because neither President Xi Jinping nor Vladimir Putin came to the conference or made new significant commitments to reduce their emissions. And Biden paid particular attention to China, saying that Xi had made a big mistake and China had lost its ability to influence people around the world. That's the quote. Why we're there, what about the US? What's their commitment? There's that word again. What's their commitment, Claire? (laughs) Nothing really new, and that's because there's politicking happening on the United States side. The Congress there hasn't passed the legislation behind Biden's climate agenda. It's not the Republicans that are blocking that. It's Biden's own side, the Democrats. Mm. And his plan includes things like the rapid replacement of the nation's coal and gas fire power plants. He wants to replace them with wind and solar and nuclear energy. He also wants to invest in what they call smart infrastructure, uh, things like buildings and water and transportation, making them more efficient and also providing a lot of funding to developing nations to help them prepare for the consequences of global warming. We'll get to developing nations in just a bit. This is really a move away from former US President Donald Trump. He, of course, removed the US from the Paris Agreement and he said he didn't want to take part in forums like COP26 because he believed the US was held to standards that nations like China were able to shrug off with no consequences. Let's move on, though, now to, as I said, another big presence at the conference. That's those developing nations. Yeah, developing countries are the most vulnerable to damage caused by climate change. And there are some groupings of these nations, including the 
they call them the least developed countries, the LDCs. There's the African Group of Negotiators, the AGN, and then there's the small island developing states, the SIDS. Uh, They want developed countries and big emitters to really step up and focus on things like raising global ambition and increasing climate finance. They say all of that is going to be paramount to their survival. There's some specifics on this, in fact. They want richer nations to provide US $100 billion each year in finance to help them reduce emissions and adapt to climate change. And that discussion and the rules around something like that are being talked through in Glasgow. Mm -hmm. For Australia's part, our government has committed to increasing its international climate finance commitment to $2 billion over five years uh, to support developing countries in our region. Yeah, there is still plenty to go in Glasgow, though there have already been two big new pledges made. Let's look at what those are. And fair warning, it involves talking about farting cows. Aside from individual nations making their pledges for climate action over the short and long term, two agreements at COP26 have already been struck. The first is about stopping and reversing the effects of deforestation by 2030. Not that far away. No, and it's something that countries have said that they would do before and they haven't done it, but there's some optimism that this time around that will be backed by some funding available to developing nations. Uh, Trees play a very important role in sustaining life on Earth. They provide oxygen and they also absorb about 30% of carbon dioxide emissions. And in recent years, around 5 million hectares of forest a year is cleared. That's an area that's almost the size of Tassie. Yeah, and for further context, forests cover also almost a third of the world's landmass, and more than half of that is found in just five countries. We're talking Russia, Brazil, Canada, the US, and China. It's Brazil that's been called out for particular attention. After all, Claire, it's the home of the Amazon. Yeah, it is. And large parts of the Amazon have been cleared for beef production. President Jair Bolsonaro is another notable no-show at COP26. He's sided with the farmers to permit the acceleration of land clearing there. It's a worry because the Amazon produces 6% of the world's oxygen and it also absorbs large amounts of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. They aren't taking all the heat, though. Our neighbour, Indonesia, is another country that's been called out for clearing forests for palm oil plantations. For Australia's part, we've signed that pledge, that deforestation pledge. The other agreement struck this week is one we haven't signed, Claire. It's about reducing methane emissions. US President Joe Biden and the European Union's Ursula von der Leyen have launched a global partnership to slash methane emissions by 30% by 2030 from 2020 levels. Uh, While carbon dioxide usually steals the spotlight, methane is more powerful and experts say that it's responsible for about a third of current warming from human activities. About 40% of methane comes from the earth, so places like wetlands, and there's not a lot that can be done to limit that, but a lot comes from agriculture, so this is where the farting comes in. We're talking about what comes out of sheep and cows. (laughs) I thought for a second we're doing an episode of Squiz Kids. They talk about farts (laughs) quite a bit. They do. Look, 
that's a connection, in fact, to the deforestation issue and a lot of land is being cleared to make way for beef and sheep farming and more livestock means more farts and more methane. Uh, another big driver of methane is the production of natural gas and, of course, that's an issue because it's often touted as an energy source that's cleaner than coal. Gas. Expect to hear a lot about gas. I mentioned, Claire, Australia hasn't signed up to this. No. So Australia's Energy Minister, Angus Taylor, says that Australia has a net zero emissions goal and we're not setting gas-specific targets like one for carbon dioxide and one for methane. Mm. But others have pointed to politics with the nationals making it a condition of their support to have that net zero emissions by 2050 target. Uh, their leader, Barnaby Joyce, puts it in alarming terms. He he says that a methane pledge would mean that farmers would have to, and this is the quote, go and grab a rifle and go out and start shooting your cattle. Uh, but the livestock industry, for its part, it aims to get to that net zero emissions by 2030. Uh, and the gas sector is also looking at improvements too. Yeah. So I guess the question is, on the world stage, is Australia an outlier in not signing up to this methane pledge? Yeah, so almost 100 countries have signed that global methane pledge, including Brazil, uh, which is one of the big five methane emitters. But others in the top five include Australia, China, Russia and India, and they haven't signed it. Gotcha. So those are the two big things that have happened so far at COP26. Could there be more? Still over a week to go and you never say never, but mm. each day of the conference coming, there's going to be a different theme. Uh, begins with finance, moves through energy and then looks at empowerment of communities, particularly from those developing countries and from young people. So it seems like the big things are ticked off and now they're going to discuss how to do it all. But it's a very structured agenda and there's a lot to get through. There sure is. That's your shortcut to what's gone down at COP26 so far. On to our recommendations. Each episode of Squeeze Shortcuts, we recommend some further reading, listening or watching. Mine is a link to a gallery, Claire, of images from the conference. It's massive. It's like a city. Like yeah. they're all set up with their stalls. There's lots of businesses involved. It's it's huge. Uh, for me, it's really easy to get lost in the numbers and the commitments mm. and then wonder what all of it's actually going to do. So the New York Times has some excellent graphs where you can actually see the big emitters, their current pathway, uh, what happens if they actually do what they say they're going to do and how that all measures up with the ultimate goal, which is limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees. They do really good stuff graphically, don't they? The New York Times. I sure do. Thanks as always for tuning in to Squiz Shortcuts. We'll be back next week. Music.